Hello, welcome to another episode of the Wild Verity Astrology Podcast. Today, we're going to go over the moon transiting through Taurus, which is going to happen the 2nd of April all the way to the 4th of April, that's Saturday to Monday, and I'll talk about what we can expect from this transit and how the moon reacts in this sign and the other planets that she'll come into contact with. So just to start us off here, I want to go over what Taurus means. So the sign of Taurus is represented by the bull, and this is very similar to the depiction of Aries signified by the ram. Uh, They're both represented by these animal forms of like hoofed and horned creatures, even though they're different species. Um, If you didn't know any better, you might, if you saw a picture of some of these depictions you see online of Taurus and Aries, it's very easy to get them mixed up if you don't know the differences between animal species. It's not like it was in ancient times where people were around animals a lot. Often now we live in cities, you may not have any idea what these things look like, and so you just see this hoofed and horned creature, and um, maybe one has slightly different horns, and you can you could tell that there's differences between them sometimes, but not all the time. They have a lot more similarities than they do differences. In reality, of course, they're both different, but they do lead into each other and they do contain similarities and this kind of linear movement of the zodiac. You can still see the parallels between them. So the differences, physically the bull is bigger and among animals, he's not as randomly aggressive as the ram is. Rams and goats are known to just, like, kind of get pissed off and charge people for apparently no reason. Like, they have very, like, volatile boundaries. And the bull can also be known to be aggressive and hurt people, as you see culturally with, like, bullfighting and stuff. But they're provoked, and you know how to provoke them, and they're provoking them intentionally. Um, And so because there's a little bit more stability and security coming from the bull as compared to the ram, it could just be from the sheer size of him. Like the bull is a huge creature compared to rams. Rams can be really big as well, but bulls are maybe like three or four times the size of a ram. And if you're that big, you know, I think you could probably imagine that you're you're not going to feel like you need to be constantly defending yourself. Uh, Similar to like um, smaller creatures, they tend to be more uh, skittish and scared and run away like lizards and birds, even cats sometimes, like they're vulnerable because they're small. Um, However, if you compare like a house cat, a skittish house cat to like a tiger or a lion, you know, generally tigers and lions are not acting skittish around humans. They're very relaxed (laughs) and there's something about that um, just being able to not feel physically threatened. One way to get a bull mad, however, and that is very well known, is to threaten his herd of female cows. Um, bulls usually keep a lot of girlfriends just like other animal species 
that are similar to this and they will fight with other bulls. If another bull comes around, they can get uh, very possessive of their female herd and they tend to keep large herds that they will protect. Modern ranchers have resorted to artificial insemination because of this in order to give them more control over not only breeding and genetic lines, but also just to keep up with the global market of capitalism. They kind of are wanting to push those biological boundaries and keep keep breeding cows and have more control over that. And so bulls now, um, from what I have seen in my limited research, seem to be a lot more aggressive than maybe they were in ancient times. And that is because of modernity and capitalism and um, them taking being taken out of their historical natural habitats, such as like being in grazing land with the, all of their female cows and just like chilling in the sun. Um, now they're kept in like very small things. They're kept away from cows because they think that that will make them less aggressive yeah, so um, even though Taurus isn't generally associated with having anger, it's not considered an angry sign the way that Aries is. Taurus is an earth sign and it has more of a calming energy. They can and are, especially today, exhibiting more symptoms of anger. So Taurus is also considered a possessive sign and this ties in with the whole theme that I'm going to go over today with the other planets in there of not just the actual animal of the bull is feeling more cut off, more threatened, more angry, but also the people of the world are also feeling more cut off and deprived of material possessions and therefore more angry. Taurus coming after Aries, which I went over in the last episode, Aries represents the ego formation and early childhood, this initial impulsive urge of discovering ourselves through primarily strong likes and dislikes. Taurus is the next stage of that, where he has figured out what he likes. As a result, he has become very protective of it. The sign is said to be ruled by Venus, who in some myths also controls the bull, um, the heavenly bull, and sends him to fight heroes of different stories. It's very similar to Hera and Typhon, which I also touched on in the last episode. There's usually this like female goddess who sends forth a monster that the hero has to fight. The bull kind of fits this trope theme as well of the last few signs. And Venus, Venus also represents attachment and love. And often it is attachment and love and the deprivation of that can send us into a rage when we perceive that something that we love is in danger. Um, The most gentle, loving people in the world can get angry if they feel like something important to them is under threat. If you see a mother in the wild, such as a mother bear, a mother cougar, a mother tiger, the mothers are much more threatened because they are protecting their children. And that is the same sort of energy that Taurus has when it becomes defensive over things that it considers theirs. So I'm talking a lot about Taurus being, it almost sounds like it's a volatile sign, but it is an earth sign. It's not really considered to be associated with anger and these kinds of like 
disruptive feelings throughout history. However, right now, with a lot of the things coming up in the world and a lot of the planetary combinations that I'm going to go over, it does have that association. Generally, in a healthy form, um, Taurus is associated more with like peace and living in luxury and chilling and having good feelings. Think like grazing in a field on a beautiful day. Like the, the cow herds, they're not really like partying or anything. They're just hanging out and it's very peaceful. So the sign in astrology represents what we have and value and that brings us peace. So in some ways it can be tied to the identity formed by Aries, though it is more focused and developed than the Aries sign and also more mature. It's less prone to changing, like Aries is very volatile and shifts from one interest to the other, but Taurus has kind of figured out figured it out. It's figured out what what it likes. Um, material possessions can be important to Taurus and when it's out of balance it can manifest as some of these more negative aspects of greed. For example, in our modern culture possessiveness and greed does get a really bad rap. However, in general it's not necessarily bad to want finer things in life and to enjoy ourselves. So the moon is sometimes associated with very similar things as the planet Venus and as Venus rules Taurus, the moon is also said to function really well here. Women figures in the zodiac, especially historically, kind of all get shoved together and interchanged between each other. And this is probably largely because of patriarchy and a limited understanding and association with women in general, but that in and of itself arises from the fact that for a long time women had a lot shorter lifespans than men because um, they were primarily giving birth and a lot of women died during childbirth and so it didn't make any sense to put women in positions of power in government, for example, because they were considered that they would die very young and men tend to live longer because of that. Of course, there's like differences and there's a lot of bias and stuff. Men also like went to war and all of that and that definitely lowered their lifespan and diseases and all of this kind of stuff. But um, it's a complicated subject and I'm not going to try and get into it very much right now. But a result of this is that the moon is considered to function very well in Taurus, same with Venus. It enhances our emotional ties with our physical surroundings and possessions, um, but it can also make us more receptive to beauty in life in general, such as maybe art or nature, which could be like a more physical manifestation of being attracted to those things, um, or love in general, and um, maybe being home, feeling more like a homebody, feeling more slow, like you just want to enjoy yourself. But often these things can go together still. We are more likely in general to love what we find beautiful and to become attached to what we find beautiful. So they can be separate, they can also go together. It's a very interesting and um, beautiful relationship in and of itself. Taurus can also be known to be very stubborn, however, and it benefits Taurus to expand its definition of value and beauty. For example, if there's issues with ego development or someone is particularly self-centered and greedy, maybe they have a very narrow definition of what beauty is. And as a result, this can make them more attached to beautiful things, things that they perceive as that, or more attached to possessions or anything else they might be territorial over because they perceive a scarcity. But this perception comes from inside ourselves, so challenging 
the impulse to possess something and trying to see the wider generosity and surplus of the world can be helpful for Taurus to relax their grasp on any one particular attachment. And this is also similar to the struggle in Aries I talked a lot in the last episode of struggling to see things in a wider perspective. And Taurus has somewhat relaxed in that, um, in that they're not as volatile and moving from one thing to the next really quickly, but they are still struggling with different aspects of that and um, maybe becoming overly attached to a few things. So the moon enters Taurus at 10 a.m. on the 2nd of April. This occurs in house 11, which represents Aquarius. And Aquarius can be social relationships, changing perspectives, and even upheavals. Uranus rules Aquarius and coincidentally is also the only planet in Taurus as well, besides the moon. So this implies things relating to our home and material possessions could be undergoing drastic changes at, at this time. And this is on an individual scale, but it can also be on a global scale. So in addition to our social relationships, perhaps these things can be linked as well in that if you move houses, for example, you may not be able to see the same people that you're used to seeing. So this can also signify needing to meet new people or being in the process of trying to form new relationships. There's likely a lot of different things going on in this area, so I'm not going to try too hard to speculate on our own specific individual situations. But globally, this can also represent the mass migrations which are happening in seemingly every corner of the world due to war, climate change, economics. People are moving around right now, and they have been for a while. Uh, Uranus has also been in this sign for a while and will continue to be here until 2025 and 2026. He'll come out of Taurus in the year 2025, um, but then he will go retrograde, come back into Taurus, and he won't really fully exit the sign until 2026. And honestly, that makes a lot of sense. If you look at the world today and the things that are being called for, I don't see any quick changes happening um, soon. However, it's only, it's 2022 right now, so this is uh, three or four years, and that is actually not a very long period of time, and probably the amount of time that it does take for people to to find home and feel secure um, moving around at the scales that they are right now. So the things that are being called for by the people of the world, regardless of their political associations, um, it seems to be a common need. Everyone needs a home right now, access to some degree of comfort and wealth. These arguments for wealth inequality, all of this falls under Taurus and the Uranus conjunction. On an individual level, This can mean that things are just going to be a steady flow of sudden conflicting changes. Not all of those changes are going to be bad, but also they are not always going to feel good. Aquarius and Uranus do remind us to keep in mind of the people that we associate with and our literal social connections. The social connections we have may offer considerable relief or issue depending on our specifics. Even if it's just emotional, however, now is a really good time to try to create stronger 
social connections, be trying to meet people and network um, because that's going to be very important in the in the coming days and years even. And um, forming new communities and community development is a big deal today. As the moon transit through Taurus, it will come closer in conjunction with Uranus, that one planet there I talked about already. And Uranus is square with Vesta, which means as the moon comes conjunct with Uranus, the moon will also be forming that square with Vesta, which will bring our emotional focus to the square between her and Uranus. So this can signify some changes represented by Uranus could be painful as it's a, um, a square is like a more painful and confrontational sign, uh, when it comes to our wider communities and friends represented by Vesta and Aquarius, there could be a resistance to change, even though that change might be better for our overall underlying issues, connections, and long-term stability. Just because a change is ultimately a good change doesn't mean it's always easy or that it's always going to feel great. But keeping in mind that it is that something is for the best and having the strength to deal with it really, really will come in handy right here. And Taurus is considered, you know, a very strong sign. And so the there is, if you can really get in touch with the positive aspects of Taurus that will be really helpful and also having support of wider communities if possible for you. And then as the moon travels further through Taurus um, on Monday at 6 a.m., it will come conjunct with a point in the zodiac called the North Node. And the North Node is not a planet or an asteroid. It's a mathematically calculated point from what I understand. And the node in the chart represents what we need to learn as a collective humanity. In our birth chart, our, our North Node represents the lessons that we specifically struggle with and need to learn on an individual level. But in this chart, the transit chart, it points to the collective. So it's it's still individual to some degree, but it's more collectively because it is affecting everyone at the same time. The world is very preoccupied, understandably, with wealth, wealth distribution in general, but where I am in California, rental prices and the housing market comes to mind as that's one of the areas that these problems seem to be continuously manifesting because California has the highest um home and rental prices, I think, in the entire U.S., and there is also a lot of homelessness, and that partially is because of climate, that um, because it doesn't snow in a lot of places and it's generally warmer here, people can survive outside, and so they come here and they do, but just because you can survive outside doesn't mean you're thriving, and um, so a lot of the houseless people here um, are really suffering, and yet right next to maybe a houseless encampment there will be like mansions and people living with tons of extra bedrooms in four different vacation homes depending on the time of year and what they feel like and um yeah that, that is a very those are very different situations and really sad to look at and i think a very good symbolism for the the planetary alignments that i'm seeing there's also a pretty powerful square here with the moon and Uranus, with Venus, Mars, Saturn, and Juno, and the square with Venus is pretty powerful because the moon is also in Taurus and Taurus is ruled by Venus. And then the squares as well with Saturn, Mars, and Juno make it even more powerful. So this is likely a very charged and volatile situation and it could be make us prone to those feelings of rage I was talking about before. 
more because the square here with Venus signifies that there is like a threat to maybe what we love and what we're attached to, which is that one situation that Taurus can get really angry in, even though most of the time they maybe won't be. And so also that square involves Mars, which is the god of war and is going to make everything a little bit more weird. Um, and Saturn is about blocked energy and Juno is also about boundaries and in mythology Juno can be also very volatile and angry. So this is pointing to all of the emotions that people who are maybe more on the deprived end of things are feeling and huge emotional shifts represented by Aquarius and Uranus can happen even on a day-to-day -day basis while he's here. So this isn't something that's just going to last for these few days when the moon's in Taurus, but something that is going to be an ongoing theme that we'll keep coming back to. Luckily, Venus is actually about to move and so it won't feel as intense and, and Mars as well. So those, those other four planets that are making it particularly strong right here, they will move and that will be a relief. The moon will also move out of this alignment, but Uranus is going to stay there until 2026 as I went over and that's still going to bring a lot of these aspects into the focus. The good news is, however, that there's a positive formation with Pluto and Capricorn and Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces. Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces are the two planets who really bring some power to the sign. Neptune is considered the ruler Gen more generally, and I've talked about him a lot in this show in prior episodes regarding his tendency to make things very confusing and difficult to tell what's real, but he's not all bad. It's just because Pisces, where he is and what he rules, is also this area of dreams and the subconscious. There are some people, shamans, I'm thinking of specifically, who can navigate this dream state and this subconscious state, but the majority of us don't. So he is considered the, so Neptune can make things kind of confusing and fuzzy and difficult to navigate, but he also governs our faith and spirituality and so he can also make us much more in tune with that. However, sometimes the visions that we're given and the spiritual experiences that we have inside of ourselves, they don't always translate perfectly to the outside world. You can have the most powerful, amazing spiritual experience, you know, and when you go and explain it to someone else, you just sound like a crazy person, depending on who you're talking to, depending on you and everything, of course. But a lot of the time, it is better to kind of keep those things to ourselves, and that doesn't make it less real. It's just that it's not always something that translates easily in every context into the physical world, even if it causes some fundamental change within ourselves. Jupiter, however, brings a lot of clarity to the sign, so that's really useful right now. And he's also about progress and growth and moving forward. So where Neptune can make us feel lost, Jupiter is kind of like this bright light in that murky darkness and can give us some direction of where we're going and some hope, really. He brings hope to it. So these energies between Jupiter and Neptune kind of fit in this theme brought by Aquarius as well, Aquarius and Uranus, which bring a very, you know, mixed bag, a lot of conflicting emotions that the energy is like very charged, there's upheavals happening, and Jupiter and Neptune in some ways conflict, but they also work together a lot better. It's a it's a it's a mix, but it's a much healthier mix than some of the other formations we're seeing, and it's also a um, a better. It's not a square. I think it's it's a trine, which means it's 
it's in harmony with the moon. Jupiter, so he also brings opportunity for growth and progress, even though the squares exist in Aquarius. Jupiter is also very much linked to progress, and that seems to be like really what we need here. And there's also a trine connected with Jupiter and the moon to Pluto and Capricorn. And so that's also a very positive formation happening here. So even if we may feel the squares of those planets in Aquarius and things might be changing and maybe even feeling hopeless because of that connection with Saturn as well, the connection between Neptune, Pluto, and Jupiter really calls us to keep the faith and to know that it's going to get better. Venus, Mars, and Saturn are usually considered after Jupiter in in astrology. Generally, Jupiter is considered like the largest planet next to the sun, and so he's really powerful. And Pluto is the god of death, and that's also incredibly powerful. They're really calling us to look at the bigger picture, and even though maybe some bad and conflicting energies are going to come up this week and also in the future too, there is a lot of hope involved in this, and maybe some of those upheavals, even though they are looking bad at first, uh, they can be good for us in the ultimate scheme of things. Monday then looks like it could have some confrontation and tension, like I said, but keep in mind these planets representing faith and connection to the divine aspects of life and higher power. Death is also involved in that, so if you do run into difficulties Monday, I think prayer can be really valuable if you have some kind of practice with that. I highly recommend it. Um, a lot of people don't think that prayer really can do anything, and even if it doesn't cause any changes in the outside, it does cause changes within you. You do feel different, and that in and of itself is very important and can have wider consequences in the outside world. So it doesn't always work in the way that you expect it to happen, but it can still be very powerful and can help be a centering energy and help you find your direction. Other than prayer, I brought up a vision board during the last full moon, I think, and so if you participated in that, that can be also helpful, but kind of anything that's that's going to help you look forward and bring more hope to your situation is going to be helpful dealing with this more compatible, negative, maybe blocked energy. And Pluto and Capricorn, again, tells us it will end ultimately. This is temporary. It's just going to be hard work for a while. Capricorn represents hard work and hard lessons, and there might be some degree of sacrifice involved that you need to make and growth within yourself, but it will get better. And I think primarily this sign is bringing us hope. So the moon will go void, meaning she'll start to change signs again and she'll leave. She'll start leaving the influence of Taurus and start entering more the influence of Gemini around 9 p.m. on Monday night. Um, and she'll come out into Gemini around 10 p.m. So we may not feel it much. Um, thankfully, this is a shorter void, of course. Hopefully that's a good thing. When she comes out, she'll be riding Gemini and that I will go over in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. These episodes are taking quite a bit of time and 
really enjoy them and I would like to continue, but I've been getting behind with my regular responsibilities, so I'm I'm trying to get to the point that I'm maybe only doing one, like maybe once a week. Uh, if you like this project and you like what I have to say, then you can consider donating. I sent up a Ko-Fi page or coffee. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like you could buy me a coffee for like three dollars. But it's K-O-F-I Ko-Fi coffee. We don't know. Um, but I set up that and that's on the podcast link page if you want to support this work and that will allow me to keep doing it and to do maybe more things even that I would like to do in the future. So that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Take some time to enjoy yourself in this loving sign of Taurus. Try not to get caught up in all the bullcrap, no pun intended, and I'll see you in the next episode.